Welcome to the Behind the Bliss podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Behind the Bliss podcast. This is Mary Scott, and I'm, I'm here, here with Rachel too. today. <laughs> This We're is so back fun. And better than ever. We are back doing a solo show just with us as co-hosts, and I am so excited because I just love you. And I'm just grateful to have a conversation with you today. I know this is kind of weird. We talk about this kind of stuff very often through just FaceTime or on the phone. So it's kind of weird to have it recorded in a podcast. It's basically a recorded phone conversation. Am I right? Totally right. Welcome to literally behind the bliss of our conversation. Yeah, for real. We're such cheese balls. Today's episode is just a little bit different because we're not necessarily interviewing anyone, but we're kind of doing just a personal encouragement episode. And we might do these here and there sometimes just for a conversation with Rachel and I, and we just talk, tackle certain topics and stuff like that. But we decided that in the midst of just what feels like a really hard few weeks in the world and the news, it would be a really maybe a great encouragement to do an episode on finding beautiful in the midst of a broken world. And what we mean by that is kind of giving some practical, um, everyday ways to find God and to find beautiful things in the midst of our daily activity. Wouldn't you say, Rach? Yeah, totally. I love watching the news. Kathy Lee and Hoda are like my girls. I watch them pretty much every morning with coffee. But afterwards, you know, the regular news comes on and there's a lot of despair and just a lot of tragedy that always gets highlighted. And it it's kind of not the healthiest way for me to start my day, if I'm being completely honest. Totally. It kind of just puts me in this really weird rut. And I am then forced to find beauty throughout my day to undo what was just done, if that makes sense. So especially what's happened this past week with Kate Spade, just feel the need to not dwell on the idea of depression and anxiety and suicide, but to just touch on it really quickly and say, I feel like it needs to be addressed again, not dwell on, but just addressed. And I think it's really cool that we're talking about five ways to find beautiful because it can seem so so saddening. Well, and the reality is, is we do live in a very dark and broken world and it takes a certain perspective and shift of our mind to decide to look for beautiful things and to not get overwhelmed by it all. Yes. Um, and so we just thought it'd be a really great reminder, not only for y'all, but mainly for us, like really practical ways for us to challenge ourselves to seek things out in the world that are positive, that are lovely and that are beautiful and great things to dwell upon. Because if we decided to do the opposite, opposite, we would all probably not want to get out of bed every day. Am I right? Totally. No, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Just to be com- completely vulnerable with you all, my life was touched by a suicidal act and I am grateful every single day that that person was unsuccessful in their attempt and that they're still with us. With me being so close to the circumstance, it really left me with a lot of shame and guilt of like, how could I have let this happen? Like this is a lot of my fault. If I had just checked up on them more often, if I had just just called them and asked them how they were doing or encouraged them. And 
I think that shame is um, really easy to come into this kind of situations. But I just want to also release that if you have been in the situation on the other side or maybe you've attempted yourself, like whatever it looks like, know that that shame is not welcome. Suicide and depression and anxiety are a lot bigger than I think sometimes we imagine it to be and that there is help for those people out there, but we cannot take the blame for what that might have caused them or caused us um, and really honestly just bring them to the feet of Jesus and know that he's the ultimate healer and the provider and the only thing that can ever keep us sufficient or fulfilled. It was really cool because when I came across a verse, I really felt like that was for the show. You can find it in 2 Corinthians 10. It's verses four through five. It told me that we're called to put down strongholds, cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and that we're to take every thought captive and hold it to the the obedience of Christ. And so really that's what we are encouraging you and encouraging ourselves and challenging everyone around us to do is to take every thought captive, to find beautiful moments, um, and to find victory in the midst of kind of a broken world. And so we're really excited to share that with you. Well, that leads us to start a conversation on five practical ways to find beautiful in the midst of a dark world. The first thing that Mary Scott and I have both talked about with each other separately from the podcast. It's just kind of an everyday exercise that we've both tried to execute because we're both very much in a transition season. So we have challenged ourselves to try and take a picture every day of something that we find beautiful. So just capturing beautiful moments helps us realign our mind to find the beautiful rather than dwell on what we see as imperfections. I think it's really neat when we think about the world and we think about everything that's around us that Everything was created by the creator and God himself is the ultimate creator. He created beauty. He knows what it's like to want to look at something beautiful. He created mountains for us. He created the ocean for us that he created skies and stars to look at and gaze upon because he knew that we needed it. Wow. So I feel like it's almost our responsibility, um, our way of stewarding the gift he's given us of beauty in the world to find it. It's really good. I've just recently been convicted of like, if you know kind of me behind the podcast, you know that I love creating. I love putting things together, whether it's patterns, shapes, fonts, whatever. And sometimes I get really wrapped up in it to the point of like, oh man, Rachel, you just need to calm down. It's not that big of a deal. And I've recently heard the Lord's voice very clearly in my work and what I do for companies or other brands to say, no, what you're doing needs to be excellent. I also care about the details. I also wow. care about how things look. That's why I created clothing and robes. You find it all throughout scripture, colors and what they mean. And so he cares about details. So to think that we're being materialistic, because there is that fine border, but to find something beautiful in your everyday that you're like, oh, God is there. God That's is really in good. the sunset. God is in this forest with the light peeking through the trees to take that picture it can it can also be a testimony maybe in later days when you need to see the picture and you need to be reminded of the beauty so with all that being said I love that as a challenge Mary Scott and I have both been like okay we need to capture beautiful moments in the season that we're in regardless of how fun easy or difficult it is to scout these out so if you wanted to share this picture with us that would be so fun we have a Facebook group that 
I think, Mary Scott, it might be cool if we shared our own pictures there too. Or if you wanted to post this on your own social media platforms or simply just keep it in your album on your phone, whatever it is to you, we would love to see it. So if you do choose to post it anywhere, if you use the hashtag, hashtag behind my bliss, then we'll be able to join in with you, see what you're capturing and celebrate everything with you too. Well, this is super convicting for me because I have really fallen off the Instagram posting wagon. And so I tried to do it the other night when I was at dinner after a rainstorm. So that was my attempt at being good about just capturing everyday moments. I think I get really sucked into the idea of certain photos looking a perfect way or a certain way for them to be quote good enough to post them. And so here's us just trying to eradicate that idea and taking pictures of anything. Really, Mary Scott, like I that when you sent me that picture of dinner the other night, it was breathtaking. It was so beautiful. I think we'll just put it in the show notes so people can see what we're talking about. But so she, sim- she simply took a picture of her table and the view she had outside the window where she was sitting of her dinner and the dinner spot she was at. And that's so easy. Like, why not take a picture of the moment to remember it? It should come super naturally. It should become a habit to say, ooh, this is beautiful. Let me remember this. What a gift it is that we have technology to take a picture of those moments. So if we do, Mary Scott sent it to me, which was so fun because we're able to keep each other accountable. So maybe even just find a friend to keep you accountable on that too. Maybe someone else that listens to the podcast. Maybe you share this podcast with someone else you want to do it with. Whatever it looks like for you, I think it'd be a super fun exercise. Practical tip number two, it is just the idea of journaling and keeping a gratitude journal. I read a book a few years ago called 1000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. Well, just long story short, Ann went through a pretty tragic experience as a child and she was really fighting for her mental and emotional health. And so she charged herself with keeping journals all over her house so that no matter what, she would always have a way to jot down something beautiful from, um, you know, the bird singing outside in the morning to the suds in the sink to the chocolate covered face of her child, like no matter what it was, she would just write it down and they would be unique everyday things. Um, and there was a quote in the book based on the idea that like, if our heart is overflowing with things of gratitude, there's no room for anything else. So if we are so consumed with seeking out and writing down and focusing on beautiful things, our overflow thought habit would be that of beauty and of good things, right? Um, And it's a great tactic to battle, if you will, against negative mental warfare um, when you're going through a hard season. And so I love the idea of keeping gratitude journal. I think it's really an amazing way to write down past faithfulness of God so that we can trace his faithfulness to claim it for the future so that when we're going through those seasons and we're fighting daily to find something on earth to be thankful for or to see beauty in, we can see from the past where God has shown up so that we can take it with full courage, believe that he will do it again. And the reality of that is that we have, you know, our hearts and our minds were created for the perfection of Eden, but we don't live there. And so we are constantly in this mental and heart battle of, you know, why is, why is it like this? Like, why do we have to deal with this on a daily basis or a moment to moment basis of constantly battling good and evil and truth and lies and brightness and darkness and all of that? It can be very exhausting. And so when we are active in seeking out those moment by moment, beautiful, glorious in the mundane moments, as you will, you know, as Christy Knuckles says, then we have um, more purity of our 
mind to dwell on things of, of, you know, of God. And I don't know what verse it is. I think it's in maybe Philippians where it says, you know, no matter what it is, think on things that are lovely and noble and true and right. Because when we focus on negative things, we end up steering in that direction and we, our mind Mm -hmm. ends up feasting what it's focusing on. Right. Right. You steer Um, where you stare. It is so true. It just, it's really important for us to fix our eyes in the direction that we will end up walking in because where we, you know, turn and our signal in our body and our mind is the way we will walk. And so this is just a really practical way to say, I'm going to fight to find pretty things in my life, even if it's just five a day. We would love for you to share this with us or share this with a friend or just keep it between you and the Lord. Like whether it is, wow, the best coffee in the world today, or the fact that my neighbor said hey to me this morning when they were mowing the grass, whatever it is that touched you and that you sought out that brought glory to your moment, Write it down so that you can claim it and remember it as beautiful things that happen in your day. Yeah, so good. I did that when I was in college. I definitely need to start this again. <laughs> I've fallen off the train too. So this is a good good challenge for all of us. Keeping each other accountable in this as well. So we'll keep you posted on how this when goes. When we share this to the world, we have no choice now, right? No, Mary Scott, I think that all of that is so valuable and is definitely something that we should be doing every single day. Whether we do it at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, I think, or like Anne said, to have like a journal in your purse and in the car and in the kitchen, just like you're constantly, I mean, honestly, the easiest way would be just to have something on your phone. I was about to say in my notes on my phone is what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep a note, an open note section where you can just jot down anything that comes to your brain. Um, that way at the beginning or, or at the end of the day, if you're feeling lonely or not so lonely, or you just want to reflect on what happened, you can go back and see in the moments when you're going to need it the most. The third way that we found beautiful in our everyday lives is being generous and finding different ways to be kind, like random acts of kindness throughout your day or maybe once a week, whatever it looks like for you. But being generous is so important and it's actually something that we're called to out of obedience in Christ. And at first, whenever I explored this idea of generosity, I got so intimidated. I was like, but Lord, I'm in college. There is no way like I can be generous. He was like, well, listen, this is not about your money necessarily. This is about your time or your talent. Or maybe it is your valuables, but whatever it is, like there is a way to be generous. Everything that he's given us isn't actually even ours in the first place. So to give it away to someone else is just an act of obedience. Maybe it's someone else that needs it or wants it. Not only are you able to find beauty throughout your day of being generous or like finding the opportunity to be generous, but the person that's receiving your generosity also is blessed. And maybe that's the beauty in their day. So it's almost like a give and take of when you give you are also letting somebody else come into the obedience of Christ and be blessed by it as well. So maybe it's paying for the coffee behind you in Starbucks line like that. That's common, right? Or maybe it's, right. you know, picking up the tab behind you in the drive through at Chick-fil-A. Or maybe it's something more creative. If someone compliments my bracelet or my necklace right there, taking it off and giving it to them and being like, hey, you know what? Actually, I feel like I've overworn this and I really would love for you to have it. And for them to say, oh, my goodness, are you, are you sure? Do you, you really want me to have it? I'm like, yeah, I would love for you to have it. I think that you would take care of it better than I ever have. That's so and sweet. Being able to bless someone or... um 
a friend of ours actually gave away a pair of her pants to a woman that wouldn't stop complimenting them in a restaurant because she had a change of clothes in her car. So she oh. went out to her car, changed her clothes and went back to the woman that gave her her pants. And that actually that. was the initiation of saying, I could do that too. It doesn't have to be my money. It could be something that I already have or I've already bought. It could be my time or my talent. What we're doing now, like sharing our lives on a platform, this is generosity. Wow. So I think that we need to open up the wideness of what generosity looks like and stop narrowing it down to funds or money or valuables. I um, was telling my brother a story last night of a seat. There was like a day back before Daniel deployed that I was feeling extremely low about just some things that we were going through in our marriage and the idea of him leaving and all of that. And I said out loud one day, like, God, do you even see me? I just, I don't know if you see me. And two days later, I was walking to the mailbox and I opened a card from my friend. And I, the first two lines that I saw that she had specifically underlined with her pen was, he sees you and he loves you. And there was a Starbucks gift card and generosity for Hannah that day was thinking, I'm going to be obedient to this nudge. I feel in my heart to send Mary Scott a card because I don't know, but it cost her money and time to pick out a card, get me a Starbucks card and to just say yes to the fact or the thought of maybe encouraging me and her generosity ended up being the the single indicator that I, that God used to reaffirm in my heart that he still saw me in the midst of me feeling really alone. Yes. Um, So I just, I always go back to that because I think a lot of our, our generosity can look very different. And Rachel and I were talking about ways that she and Thomas are generous with their money. Dana and I set up early in our marriage to have what we call like a mercy fund every single month where we just like put a certain amount of money in there. So say someone at church has a baby or someone's feeling sick or you just feel like someone really needs to have a meal, then you don't feel pulled out of your normal monthly income to bless someone else. And at the end of the day, generosity might sting and hurt a little bit, which I think is the point. But I think with time, the out it's out of the overflow and joy that comes from a place of feeling just generous. And it truly is amazing when you start to give away, again, time, money, valuables. And it's an act of a spiritual discipline. I think more than anything. No, it is. And when you aren't generous or when you choose not to be generous and choose to be disobedient when the Lord calls you to be generous, a lot of times for me, it's out of fear. It's out of this place of saying like, oh, but I don't have the budget to do that this month. Or I have a fear about giving something away that I find valuable. It's actually operating out of a spirit of lack because I don't fully believe that my God would give it back to me or give me back something greater, which is what he wants us to do. That's his that's his promise. He actually promises that to us in Psalm 112. He says, they share freely and they give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And that's, those are promises. And I have noticed not that like being generous is like this game to play with God so that he's generous back to you. I end up being blessed on the back end of just seeing how God continues to provide for my family when I, when I acted out of a place of obedience to bless someone else. You know what I mean? It's true. Like never, never will God call you into something where he's not still going to protect you in the middle of it. And to remember that there's no such thing as risk with God. That's like good. things can be risky, but you will never fail if you do it with the Lord. And the reality is, is he will ask someone else to do it if you don't. So when you say yes, you get to participate and 
and being a divine instrument that God uses in someone else's life. And what um, a shame and a discouragement, or I'm trying to think of the word, um, what a dishonor to you to like hold yourself back to getting to participate in what God uses to bless someone and to have some holiness on earth. That to me enough is worth it to say yes to those God assignments in your life because you get to participate and be blessed by simply seeing the the hand of God work in someone else's life. Absolutely. I kind of look at generosity as an investment, like the kingdom fund. We'll call it that. Like when I I put something into the kingdom fund, like it is promised that I will get a return on my investment, especially from that scripture just read out Psalm. Maybe if you give something away, like your time or talent or something of value to you, you will get something back in return, whether it's a revelation or a new thought or characteristic that you see of God. Maybe it's a connection or a relationship that you gain through your act of generosity. Maybe it Maybe it is a valuable thing or object that you get in return as a gift of obedience and a blessing of obedience. But whatever it is, like obedience that the Lord will never return back void. That's so good. It it never will. So you're promised to come out successful regardless of whatever detriment at the moment it is to you. I love it. The fourth practical thing that we discovered that would help allow us to combat darkness and find beautiful in our everyday is to pray for and encourage friends. And so I have realized that no matter who the person is in my life, whether they're my friend or my quote enemy, which I don't really feel like I have any enemies, but someone I don't necessarily get along with the most, the moment we shift our perspective and constantly deciding to pray for them. It disarms the enemy from his opportunity to convince you that they're against you because you've actually just joined your enemy or so-called enemies team by praying for them. My friends and I do this really fun thing called treasure hunts. It kind of sounds super silly, but we love asking the Holy Spirit, like, what is this person needing to hear? Maybe it's a stranger that you used to see um, really sad or distraught, or maybe it's a friend of yours that you know needs encouragement, but whatever it is, asking the Holy Spirit, what is this person needing to hear? Maybe it's you're beautiful or you're seen or you are so brave or something uplifting can totally do the switch for them. Kind of like Mary Scott receiving the card in the mail of that act of obedience from her friend saying, you are seen, you are loved. That is so important. That's so beautiful. Another practical way that I love praying for my friends is um, praying scripture over them because we're also promised in scripture that when you pray scripture, it will never return void. I love praying Philippians 1, 3 through 11 over my friends. I'll just, I'll read it really quickly. I thank God every time I remember you, Mary Scott, you're always in every prayer of mine because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you, Scotty, because I hold you in my heart for you are a partaker with me of grace, both in my hardship and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve of what is excellent and And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And praying that, (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Praying that over your friends is so sweet because it's scriptural and because it's ancient in the most beautiful way. Um, But at the same time, gosh, I believe in every one of those words. Like I want my friends to hold fruit and to abound in grace and help me in my hardship and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Like that is what I pray. So why not pray it, you know? And so if you are struggling to kind of find a way to pray for friends or you want somewhere to start Philippians one, 
three through 11 is a great place to do that. Wow. I'm going to start doing this. It's fun. It is. I have never done that before. And that just blessed me. I love it. it. It's like Mad Libs. (laughs) We'll share it in the show notes so that you can um, fill out the same things for your loved ones. Sometimes the hardest part for me for praying or encouraging my friends is finding the time, especially now that we're out in California. It's not like I can just walk down the hall to my dorm mate and say like, hey, like I so love you. I so appreciate you. It takes more effort especially with a time zone change. Like I was going to say, it takes a lot of work to be intentional with friends when you are in a busy adult life. Gosh, I'm so grateful for my friend's grace and patience with me right now because, oh, I'm just really convicted. This is something I could definitely do better in my life. So this podcast is just as much for me as it is for people listening. But I take the time when I'm driving on a routine commute to call a friend and talk to them or if they don't answer to leave them a voicemail. And I just remind them of how important or special they are to me and how I'm specifically praying for them so that even if I'm not able to see them face to face or give them a hug, like they feel affirmed by me and they know that someone's rooting for them in life. And I I think at the end of it, that's what's important is that we know that someone's rooting for us. That kind of goes back to what Shay Tate and I talked about with the high touch environment as well, because our decision to be intentional with our friends, no matter where they are, allows them to feel seen, known and loved, which is thus creating a high touch environment. So we'll link back to what that looks like in the show notes. But it's just amazing that calling things by name, calling people by name, calling fruit in them by name, really just stirs a confidence within our friends. Absolutely. Which causes them to be a better friend to others and to us. It's it's a chain effect. It's a ripple effect for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This also is really hard for me to do when I'm feeling discouraged myself. Gosh, like the moments that I just feel like I'm in a pit, I cannot get out of it are the hardest moments for me to pray about anything, specifically friends that might have even not seen me in my own pit. And so I'd say the other half of this is to ask God for people that will do this for you too. Um, So when I'm feeling really low or I'm needing encouragement, I love asking the Lord just in a very silent place. I quiet my heart. I quiet things around me, like turn off music, turn off TV. It is just quiet. And it leaves room for me to hear him more loudly than ever. But I ask him, who do you say I am? And I actually did this last night when we were preparing for the podcast and he told me, you're a conduit for Christ. You're a child of God. You're justified and redeemed. And being able to sit in that place, be like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> I am and it's an identity that we can claim back in those moments. Yes. Yeah. And for me to say, okay, well, how do you see me? I instantly heard fearfully and wonderfully made. And then I asked, what do you call me? Like, what is your name for me? When you refer to me, what do you say? And he said, precious one. And wow. it's a, such an intimate place that honestly, no other human can encourage you to that place. For him to speak those words into me and for me to be able to silence myself to hear them is what gets me to a place to be able to overflow to do that for others. So for me to think like I could encourage my friends on my own strength, LOL, that's not going to happen. I know. That does not happen for me. I'm really glad that you talked about that because it actually goes straight into our fifth topic, which is the idea of meditating on truth and rewriting the story that we tell ourselves. And I think that sitting and asking the Lord, like, what, what do you think of me and who do you say I am is the actual ammo or physical proof or actuality and who we are when we are accused of things differently, either by others or by the enemy. And so rewriting the story that we tell ourselves with God as he tells us who we are allows us to 
claim truth instead of falling into susceptible lies from the enemy, which I love that you did um, in that moment, Rachel, because in that moment you needed someone else higher than you to remind you who you actually are so that you didn't succumb to the the hurt and the pain and the lies of the accuser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the story we tell ourselves really matters because again, with steering where we stare or moving in directions that we fix ourselves, if we are telling ourselves that we are X, Y, and Z, we will begin to act out of that. And so if we call ourselves higher by rewriting the story of who we are, we will act in a way that's according to our true identity. This actually reminds me of a song that I am loving right now. It's called Defender by Rita Springs, but she has this one line in the song. Mary Scott and I geeked out over it for a moment. It says... It's so good. It's so good. It says... When I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You're the defender of my home. And for me, there's so many moments when I forget who I am and meditating on truth and making sure that I'm I'm thinking the most highly about myself is so important. But really, like the Lord is so quick to remind us and so quick to like pick up our pieces and bring it back to us and saying, hey, you forgot these. I think it's really a cool reminder to think like when we weigh and actually take captive, like we were reading before, the thoughts and make them obedient to Christ, like how we started this intro. If we take the thought and weigh it, we are able to see what it's rooted in. And when we see what it's rooted in and we can base it off whether it's making us feel scared, fearful, low, um, critiqued, whatever it is, we when we weigh it to the obedience of Christ, we realize that that is not of God because God, yes, will convict us of our sin, but he doesn't condemn us to our sin. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I actually heard that after seeing our sin for what it is, conviction is looking forward and condemnation is looking back. So condemnation makes us dwell on what was behind and conviction is what's pulling us through. Exactly. So it just becomes extremely important to, you know, take whatever thought that we're struggling with, whether it's, you know, Mary Scott, you are, I don't know, let's think of something. Mary Scott, you are a bad wife. Okay. Well, that in and of itself is an accusatory statement. That is a condemning statement. Whereas something that God would say is, wow, let's really rethink how we did that. Or how are you treating Daniel? How can you, how can you improve this for the future rather than making you feel shame for what you've and maybe you done in the are past? blank, right? right? And we're able to weigh out what it sounds like because we know that things from God, yes, while they might convict us, they don't condemn us and they're not harsh words. There's things that bring peace and change and new life versus condemnation, shame, guilt, chains, captivity, all of those things. And so we can, we have the power to redecide what are these thoughts and who did they come from? Because we know the enemy loves to take a 20% shift and take something and make it a half truth so that we are less questioning who we are and what, what we're faced or what we're facing in the moment. And so a lot of times it's really practical to sit with scripture and memorize them and use it as our sword and our shield. So if you, if you read in Ephesians six as the, the armor of God, you know that the word is not only our shield, that which protects us, but also our sword, that in which we use to fight. Mm -hmm. So we're able to take it and use it. And so when we memorize scripture, that becomes our sole purpose for fighting the lies. And I always, I thought this was 
mind-blowing. I was in counseling, of course, um, with Daniel. We and love our us counselor. some counseling over here. Yeah, you know. I, and our counselor made a really cool point um, when it came to dealing with spiritual warfare. And he said, we have two very clear places in Scripture where Satan tempted people. One is with Eve in the garden, and one is with Jesus when he was drawn out into the wilderness. And the difference is, is how they fought and entered into conversation with Satan. So on one hand, we have Eve, and what she did wrong was she began to allow Satan to begin a conversation with her. And it was rooted in the idea of how is God holding out on you right now? Right? So it allowed her to enter into the conversation and say, wow, you're right. Maybe he is holding out on me. And then she became deeper and deeper into the conversation and Satan and thus led her to taking the fruit and sinning. Whereas if you look at Jesus and he's, when he was tempted in the wilderness, he did not even begin the conversation. He simply fought back with the word of God. So, hey, Jesus, are you hungry? Like maybe you should turn that stone into a piece of bread. And not, instead of saying, you're right, I am kind of hungry and that would be really good. He said, man shall not live by bread alone. Do you understand? Which was him captivating his thoughts. So he didn't even enter into the conversation. He immediately had the ammo and the sword he needed to fight back with truth. And so this has become a really huge thing for me and for Daniel as we decide, how are we going to end up deciding how to fight our battles? Because the moment we get stuck into potentially having a half-truth conversation with God, with Satan, we end up becoming the circular over and over and over again conversation full of more lies, more guilt, more confusion. And the reality is, is God is not a God of confusion. So when we take the word of God as our clarity and use it as our strength, we don't end up succumbing to the fear as much. Yes. Mary's got preached. Bless it. I feel like I need to breathe. (laughs) God created it. Jesus died for it. The Holy Spirit lives in it. Take care of yourself. Wow. Do you have your armor to defend yourself if you needed to? Is your body healthy enough so that you can go and exercise and do the things necessary to bring you back to a place that you can be clear of clutter? Are you taking care of your heart? Are you loving people well? Are you encouraging others and feeling encouraged? And making sure that all three of these are aligned is so important for our lives so that we can live in this place of overflow and so that we can find the beauty in everyday life, even in a broken world. And so hopefully these five things can be an encouragement, practical exercises and challenges for us. Mary Scott, we're doing it. Keeping you accountable. Please keep me accountable. Y'all better look on Instagram and see our pictures. Really, I think that these five ways are just the tip of the iceberg. There's totally so many different ways to do this, but these are just five that we feel convicted of and we would love for you to walk in them with us. And for that, we pray that they encourage you and that you can use these as practical tools like Rachel said. And we're so excited to follow along in this journey for you to find beautiful in your world too. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's conversation on Behind the Bliss. We are so encouraged that you would decide to spend a few minutes with us on this side of the internet, and we pray that this conversation encouraged you. Rachel and I have been so overwhelmed by just the kind comments and notes that we have received on the podcast. Seriously, so overwhelmed. And it continues through reviews, comments, direct messages, whatever it looks like. We feel so encouraged and cannot thank you enough. 
but we would also love it if you would go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Ratings and reviews really help other people who have never heard about our show read about it on iTunes and see that it might relate to something that they may be interested in or already listening to. It's really simple and only takes about five seconds and we would really appreciate just to hear what you're thinking, things that you would like to see or anything along those lines and it's super easy and we'd really appreciate it. If you're wanting a little bit more encouragement or to find a community through this show, we created a Facebook group just for you. You can find that on Facebook if you search Behind the Bliss Podcast. You can join the group super easily, invite your friends to join the group too, add to the conversations that we're starting, and get first dibs on which episodes are out and about for you to listen to. With all that being said, you can find all the extra info that we talked about in today's show on our website at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week.